Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. I'm James B., joined by Eddie, and today, Eddie and I are going to do something really different. We are going to compare the 2002 Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie with the 40 or so comics that we've already read. Eddie, have you been taking some notes on the movie? I have taken some notes. I'm both excited and nervous to uh, try out this new format, too, that we have. We're going to just cover things that we saw in the movie that made us think about the book. Now, I haven't seen your notes. You haven't seen mine. All I ask is try to stay. We're going to try to stay in order. See how that goes. good. Okay. I'll give it a go, too. All right. I'm going to go first because I know you are nervous and Let's give this a I try. Am, you know from past episodes, we've talked about my knowledge of the movies, and I may or may not remember or have watched all of them. So as just like the uh, comics, I like doing this where I don't really know exactly what's going to happen in the future, so I can think about what's happening just in this particular movie. So yes, James B., lead the way. Uh, the first thing I wrote down is about... The glasses, Eddie. I noticed in the movie, he he wears glasses, and then suddenly he realizes, I don't need glasses anymore when he turns into Spider-Man. Um, I don't remember the book focusing too much on this ability of him to have his glasses on or off. Do you remember anything about this in the book? I, I do not remember hardly anything about this. I thought about this also quite a bit. Um, I guess it, it leads to the bigger idea of the spider is clearly different than the spider that bites Spider-Man. Well, what I'm asking is, do you think Peter Parker, back in issue one, is he wearing glasses? He is, isn't he? This is one of these things that I can't, <laughs> that I should probably know, but I can't remember right now. <laughs> so the correct answer is, yeah, he wears glasses in Phew. the beginning of the books. And then soon after, they just sort of disappear. The glasses go away. Oh, and if you look at current issues that you and I are reading, he's not wearing glasses, but he does wear glasses for the first couple issues. And I guess in maybe the first three issues, he decides he doesn't need them anymore. So I thought that was interesting that I did not recognize that until I started the movie. All right, Eddie, what do you got? Well, I was just going to talk a little bit about how the spider bites, what the spider is and how it bites him in the movie. I mean, we know the spider from the comics is at a atomic showing and get zapped by radiation or atomic energy, whatever they want to call it. And in the movie, it's a genetically modified spider. And James B., you know, I'm getting a little further ahead here, but Spider-Man in the movie has webs that just come out of his arms, right? There's no web shooters. There's no cartridges in a belt. And this really bothered me. Um, I remember when I do remember watching this one when it first came out. I found it very bothersome that he didn't have those gadgets and like the formula for the web, since I think that's a huge part of who Spider-Man is and who Peter Parker is. He, as stated many times, he's a brilliant scientific genius, really, for being so young, and it kind of de-emphasizes that. What did you think about this part, James B.? I was watching it with my daughter, and I told her I felt very strongly that Spider-Man's webs coming from his body was superior to the web shooters. The web shooters bother me because I don't think he could make them. I don't think he could have unlimited cartridges, but I think if they come out of his body, it gives me a reason why they're fastened to him 
and why they're so strong. I, I thought it was much better having it that way. So I felt exactly the opposite from you. My only bothersome quality to it was it really de-emphasized the scientific nature of how brilliant Peter Parker is, as stated before. That's a great point. That's a great point. Now, I want to point out, I have 20 things written down. Do you have something? Uh, you are describing me as long-winded. <laughs> I'm going to knock off a couple. A couple. Well, I did have your, your web fluid one on there. I mean, but, oh, okay. All right. But you've, you skipped over a bunch of other ones. So because all you right. skipped them, I'm going to kind of cover them all unless you purposely skipped them. So, Eddie, some things I noted were their guests of Columbia University. They updated it from uh, Empire U to Columbia University. Mm -hmm. So they gave it, which makes sense. The appearance of Dr. Strom. Eddie, did you notice that? I did notice that, yes, with Norman Osborn. Yes, which is nice that I did not notice Dr. Strom the first time I watched this movie in 2002, but for you and I, that is more meaningful since he you know, appears in issue uh, 37. The Goblin Glider um, was part of the nanotech version of Oscorp, which is no longer a generic chemical company. I think this is a big. I think this is a big point to discuss. If you, if we, we can give it a minute. The goblin, right. the goblin's costume, essentially in the movie, is part of the company, where the goblin in the book, his costume has nothing to do with Norman Osborn as a person. They're just completely unrelated. His job and his his uh, psychotic goblin costume. There, there is a weaving of that relationship between the Goblin and Norman Osborn's business in the movie. Um, one other thing, I guess, that bothered me, when in the movie the Goblin gets whacked by the gas and everything, this gives him super strength, right? Yes. And in the comic, does the Goblin have super strength in the comic? I've never known him to have any powers besides just being evil. Correct. I, I don't think it gives him super strength. So there's an interesting aspect to note, because if you look back through the comics, Spider-Man and the Green Goblin exchange blows quite rarely. Like, there's never, it's not such a slugfest that we might get in the comics sometimes, uh, which is one of the reasons I also like the Goblin. At the One of the episodes we had, where the last one, where the Goblin the last comic where the Goblin had captured Spider-Man, he has to use all sorts of different tricks when he's fighting Spider-Man besides just super strength. So it is an interesting weaving in the movie of the two things, and it also really increases the power of the Green Goblin as a standalone figure as opposed to needing his gadgets all the time. Yeah, he's he's much tougher in the, in the movie. Uh, I noticed that Uncle Ben is an electrician. We finally have an explanation about what his profession is. He's not a bus driver, <laughs> as I thought he was. Uh, MJ gets picked up by a car, and the car is a convertible. And uh, when Flash gets in it, or MJ gets in it, they can like, jump right in the convertible, just like they do in the 60s. I thought that was a really nice touch. That's, that is a really fun way to do that, for sure. They, they kept it the same. They kept Midtown High. Yep. Did you know the fact that they changed the college? They didn't change the high school. I thought that was interesting. Peter fights Flash, and he takes him out with one punch. Well, this part where Peter fights Flash, I mean, Peter does fight Flash in the comics. You remember James B. the boxing match? Yeah, that's why I brought this up. I'm saying yeah. Peter fights yeah. Flash. Like that was they they brought that they kept that from the comic. 
Well, yes, but the, I guess the context was different. Probably updated a little bit. No, no uh, boxing matches in 2002 taking place in the gym between students. <laughs> but the fight, the fight was a fascinating fight because I think Peter really revealed his powers way more than he did in the comics and he didn't seem to be as worried about it i know they were like brand new to him in the movie but part of the interesting part of fighting flash was how peter had to make the fight seem realistic that he wasn't ultra powerful and well flash is a pretty shallow character through this movie it would have been interesting to see what flash's reaction more so of thinking about peter punching him and sending him all the way down the hallway which i do think would have like broken his whole chest right james b correct um another thing i have is did you see when he yelled shazam when he was shooting the web i did not see that when he was trying to shoot the web and trying to think of different ways to just you know out web go web go he yelled shazam which i thought was kind of cute there's a little shout out to the superhero shazam uh, captain marvel from dc comics oh do you want to can we talk about the the bone saw thing now we, we can talk of... about bone saw. What do you got? Uh, I don't. I don't like the part. I don't like the bone saw fight because, first of all, the fight is over too fast. I think it's really just like him hitting Peter and then Peter just kicking him and knocking him out. There's no chance for bone saw to be like startled and surprised, like Crusher Hogan was when he carried him all the way up to the top of whatever ring they were in. Uh, so, it it it's. It's not as good an update, in my opinion, than what we got from the comic. What did you think, James B.? I liked it that he needed the money for a car so he could take out Mary Jane. I like that they tried to make the reason uh, different there as well. I just wanted to point out. And the money was updated to $3,000 versus it was 300 I believe. $300. The, the, the other problem, too, is that he didn't get the guy to get him on TV. He, like... We missed the whole like producer helping out Spider-Man, I guess, afterwards, which I thought was an important, really important aspect of the comic, and then probably wouldn't have worked in the movie so well, but very different, for sure. Uh, what do you think of the the whole scene with not my problem? Well, I I thought that was pretty pretty accurate. I I didn't have problems with not my problem. <laughs> It's in the book. It's a little. Do you remember what, how it's different in the book? It's not that he says it's not my problem, but it, it actually is it. He kind of does he, say that. He he alludes to it. He lets him run by, and the, the police shouted him to stop the guy, and he says, "I'm looking out for me." Right? That's what he says yes. in the comic. The, the reason he doesn't stop the guy in the comic is a worse reason, I think, than in the movie. In the movie. When the guy's like, hey, stop that guy. He's stealing the cash. There's, there's like a, a karma about it. Yes, exactly. So I, I allowed him in my mind like, hey, he, he can let him get away with that more in the in the movie than in the book. Do you agree? I agree. I mean, I think that part in the book, it really – I mean, that's the part where Spider-Man almost becomes a criminal himself several times in several of those comics. And – it's it's there's definitely a different reason why that played out in the movie. I don't want to get too off track here, but it's something I keep forgetting to bring up and it fits very nicely here. I came across an article online or something that said if you, you've mentioned before that you think he's grounded by Aunt May and Uncle Ben. And yeah. it's it said if he wasn't, 
he would have grown up to be, they believe, Doc Ock. What do you think about that? Possible? I think it's totally possible. I, every part of Spider-Man's story is the same, nearly the same, or entirely the same as so many supervillains that we have. So it's it's an interesting aspect for sure. And I don't think the movie addresses it very well, too. Um, it's a short little part for him. Okay. So before we finish up here, uh, we've got a couple of things going on. Uh, I do have a sponsor that I All want right. to knock off. Yeah, this is a good time to do that. I, I The sponsor is very different today, Eddie. Today's sponsor sent in an audio clip for part of it. Whoa. Yeah, it's the first time ever that I don't have to read the copy. Um, it's short. I don't know. It's like tw- a 20-second clip here. Um but they asked us, I sent some information in, they sent it back, they're just going to read it, and I'm supposed to just connect it and play it. So if you bear with me here, I will get the audio clip ready. Okay. All right, so just hang on for a second. And the next voice you hear should be from the audio for this. Let's read Spider-Man first. Oh, dear, this is the bone saw, and you can stay in the ring with me for three minutes. You can get $3,000, which is enough to put a nice down payment on a car. Keep listening for your opportunity to earn $3,000. Oh, yeah, and keep listening to Let's Read Spider-Man with Eddie and James B. Available where you can get your podcasts. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to go see Bonesaw. What a, what a nice gesture to have Bonesaw record for us today. <laughs> yeah. Well, Eddie, that is our new sponsor, and I have been told to let you know that Eddie Bonesaw will be appearing next Sunday uh, from 10 to 2. Uh, you can get in the ring and earn $3,000 um, at the Blue Yahoo uh, Stadium, um, which is Southern League's best stadium in Pensacola, Florida. It's home of the Blue Wahoos, the AA affiliate of the Minnesota Twins. Eddie, if you'd like to go there, three minutes in the ring, you can earn $3,000. I I don't think I'm going to get into the ring, but I wouldn't mind watching a, a good matchup between both Bonesaw and Spider-Man. That'd be well worth whatever my ticket costs. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> you don't think Spider-Man's going to show up there? I don't think so. No, because last time he tried this, I think he only got a hundred bucks. <laughs> it's true. That's not terribly profitable for Spider-Man. So no. a second appearance. But Eddie, I do have a few more things left to cover. Uh, how many things are on your list? I, I just have a few other things to cover too. And then I have a few to go back to that I was thinking of talking about more. So why don't you, why don't you hit us with some of yours, James B.? Uh, Eddie, one thing I noticed is he gets the science award again, like he does in the book. I, that's great. <laughs> I noticed Flash Thompson did not get an award and did not end up going to the school with him. As stated before, I think he's very shallow in this movie. I had to ask my daughter, do you think that's Flash Thompson? And she said, of course it is. And I said, they don't really bring it up as clearly as they do in the book. So He's such a side character, and it upsets me. I don't think one time he promotes Spider-Man in any way, shape, or form. Does he, James B.? Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. The Flash Thompson in the Tobey Maguire movies is not his biggest fan. Not at all. Bummer. Um, what do you got? I still have a couple, but I want you to... Uh, well, I got J. Jonah Jameson. I think, first of all, I got to say he's cast really well. I appreciate he's got a pinstripe purple suit on. I didn't even notice the color of his suit. I did notice Betty Brant's hair. Interesting. It is the same, isn't it? That was a really good 
spot on. Yes, in fact, they don't even say. I don't know in the. I've seen. I've seen all three movies recently, but I don't even know if they call her Betty Brant at all or Miss Brant at all in the first movie. But her hair. I waited. I waited for it, and I don't think they did either. But her hair says, "I'm Betty Brant." For sure. Did you see Doc Connors? I did not see Doc Connors. Where was he in there? He's mentioned in the first movie when he says that he lost his job helping Doc Connors or something oh, like that. Oh, yes. That's right. Oh, yeah. In the apartment. And Doc Connors does appear in the other movies. He's in mm-hmm. both two and three. And then he's also in the movies for uh, Andrew Garfield later. What else you got? Uh, the Goblin has a lot of his same devices he uses. Like he throws his pumpkin to what, get rid of the board from the company, uh, which I thought is is an update. I don't think he has a vaporizing pumpkin in the, the comics, but he uses a lot of the same things. In particular, skipping ahead again, he gasses Spider-Man. I think it's the dumbest line in the movie because he goes, sleep, as he gasses Spider-Man. But it's just the same way that he is able to follow Peter Parker and figure out his secret identity in the comics by gassing him to get rid of his spider sense so that Peter didn't realize the goblin was following him at all. In the third movie, when Harry becomes essentially the goblin of sorts, Harry gets amnesia and forgets that Peter Parker is Spider-Man and that he is the Goblin. Interesting. So they kept that from the first movie and used it right. in the third. Right, the amnesia, the yep. amnesia aspect of it. You know, I think there's an interesting aspect to this when Spider-Man and the Green Goblin talk to each other. almost Because seeing it in real life, you don't realize that you never see their faces and their mouths move when they talk. Because you don't see their faces at all when they're talking in real life, which is something when I read the comics, I, I don't think about how Spider-Man's spouting all this sass off. And really, like, you don't see the emotion of what the face is, and you don't get the, the idea that you would if you could see a person's face when they're saying something. There's a lot of nuance that's left out. Yeah, the goblin in the comics just has a smile pasted yeah. in his face, as opposed to you can see his lips moving. Uh, I have I only have two things left on my list, Eddie. One of them is uh, Mary Jane, that she in the comics is visiting her aunt occasionally who lives mm-hmm. next door, where here she is permanently next door with her mom. So here here it's written differently that she's not just the niece of, you know, she's there all the time. She's much more prevalent in Peter's right. life. Right next door, too. We know very little about Mary Jane in the comics that we've read thus far, but I understand her to be a pretty striking like female character with a lot of personality. And I think the Mary Jane in the movies is much more like a, like a Betty Brant of the comics. And he is constantly saving her all throughout. <laughs> yeah, they made her, like you said, she's more Betty Brant-like beaten down a little bit. In, in the book. And, and that's very different. Um, his costume. Both in the books and in the movie, they avoided showing how he makes his costume. <laughs> it's a very slick costume in the movie. I'd like to say that I think it's very significant that they didn't solve this problem. They're like, how are we going to do the costume? And they looked at the book and they're like, oh, the book doesn't even explain it. And they said, well, we don't need to either. We'll just montage something and all of a sudden he'll be 
in a ridiculous costume. It's not even... It's so unbelievable how he has this costume. It, it's funny that I'll accept that he's shooting webs out of his wrist, but I will not accept <laughs> how he built the costume. A costume like 1,000% tailored to his exact body. <laughs> so it never gets like stuck or fouled up when he's trying to fight someone. <laughs> well, I, James B., at the end, he's half Spider-Man, half Peter Parker, right? Your favorite your favorite uh, image of Spider-Man in the comics. That is correct. It is a nice catch. I thought of that at some point, but I didn't write it down Like just like you missed Gobby there for a moment. But yes, he is. He has a ripped face on the costume. It's exactly like it should look. Perfect. You're correct. It's the, it is the best way to finish Spider-Man in that movie because we can see what we can see when we see the comics. It's the same person, but with... Much like the Goblin in this movie, which I liked the split personality of the Goblin in the movie instead of in the comics as just being really just Norman Osborn, Spider-Man really comes across more as a split personality um, in the movie, I think, too. Peter Parker, he he has several web creations. I mean, I should say Spider-Man does. Uh, the most notable, I think, do you remember in The Chameleon how Spider-Man got to the dockyard to try to catch the chameleon in the helicopter, James B.? Tell me what he did. He he slingshotted himself off a building with two webs, right? Like a a good a country mile probably, and he does the same thing to get up to the bridge to get to the goblin and save you know Mary Jane and the children which are trapped in the in the tram. And I, as a long longtime fan of spider-man web creations <laughs> which the only other ones i mean he he gets j jonah jameson and the goblet in the face and the mouth with some web and he also makes like a a real spider web looking web to follow up the green goblin in their last fight too i appreciate that the, they could use in the movies one of the things that was emphasized early on in the comic book series which is where he catapults himself with his web to get out to the bridge and battle the green goblin I have to ask you, Eddie, what is the quote from the movie? Great power. Right. With great power comes great responsibility. In the comic. Amazing Spider-Man 15 final panel. With great power, there must also come great responsibility. Hmm. I had I had looked that up also. I mean, it's supposed to be like from Voltaire or something like that long ago. Um, look at you, but... Yale! Look at you, Yale guys! Because <laughs> I I know he says it at the end, and it's such a stoic walk away from Mary Jane as he rejects her. Uh, in I assume a bid to save Mary Jane, the trauma of knowing Spider Man. In the comic books, it's not like he's not trying to find a girl to be his girlfriend or to be his partner. Yeah, you're right. It's it is. It is different. That is a very that is a much bigger difference than I thought about. You're you're correct. Of course, the other personality traits, like why he doesn't stop the robber, we talked about that too, is an interesting change in how he his personality from the the comics too. Hey, what um what did you really think of this movie, by the way? Just overall, like you as I, just watching the movie. I mean, I really I really liked the casting for a lot of it actually. Like I. Love, I can't remember his name, the guy who plays the Green Goblin. I thought he was great. Like, I appreciate that. I really like J. Jonah Jameson casting, too. He's excellent, too. Um, but, like, the movie, there's parts of it that are really good, and other parts I'm like, all right, let's move it along here. 
you, you know, the version we watched was like the HD-ish version, and I uh-huh. thought the the special effects didn't really hold up well. You could see like a lot of the like HD. Yeah. Kind of. Man, these movies could not have been made any earlier than this technology. It just wouldn't have worked if you couldn't have had a CGI Spider-Man and Green Goblin, because their fights would have been impossible. I don't know. I don't really like Tobey Maguire too as Spider-Man. He's too precocious and he's too like slow with his emotions i actually think peter parker and spider-man are from the comics are much more both decisive and wildly swinging between being upset and angry so that was actually i mean he's good but i think i think come across well I think one thing we have to remember, too, is that even though you and I are always reading the 1963 comics, even though we're up to like 1967 or something now, that they redo Spider-Man a couple times. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a version of Spider-Man that we haven't read that is more like that version of Tobey Maguire or Mary Jane. I don't think so, but it's possible that these people might be like I see Harry and I think like, where's that freckled faced, rich, annoying kid? And he's already like Peter's friend, like right away. Sort of like different. The so. iconic. I really, really would like the iconic hair, actually, of Harry and Norman Osborn. They have the Widow's Peak redhead, and that's a real unique yeah. look. I know. Well, whatever they. I mean, they nailed J. Jonah Jameson's hair. Man, that was good. Everything about him. I forgot to mention he had suspenders on too that said, "Don't pay your taxes." <laughs> that's what it said on the suspenders. Yeah, it says. Yeah, cut taxes, suspenders on. <laughs> Along um, with this purple pinstripe. You we didn't talk about too is Aunt May. She was cast perfectly, I know. right? Perfectly cast. Really, really well. And I didn't talk about how she didn't actually see Uncle Ben die, like in the comic. Remember he got shot right in front of her. Yes. Yeah, I, I thought it was okay. It it was an okay movie. It yeah. did it did a lot of justice to Spider Man, comic book Spider Man, so So I think that uh I think that should wrap it up for this episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, where we didn't actually talk fully about reading Spider-Man, but about watching the movie. But hopefully we shed some light on some of the differences that we noticed so you don't have to go read all the issues to find out what's different. Are we going to tell listeners to write us at Let's Read Spider-Man at gmail.com? Nah. <laughs> we don't want to hear them tell us about the errors we may have made. <laughs> I don't think Bonesaw's alive in real life, by the way. The, oh, really? Randy the oh, Macho Man no Savage. No longer? I, I'm fairly certain. Almost every wrestler has passed away. I'm pretty certain he's one of them as oh, well. Oh, is that Randy the Macho Man Savage? I didn't even really recognize him. Yeah. Jeez. Snap it to a Slim Jim? Yeah. You didn't recognize him? I, man, I should have recognized him, but I just haven't thought about a wrestler in a long time. I was not big on wrestlers, but I do remember Randy Macho Man Savage. They're part of that whole comic book wrestling goonies cindy lopper subculture these are all they're all you if you went to the comic book store in the 80s it was also the store that sold the wrestling action figures and the the dungeons and dragons items 
Right. And the posters, it's all the same place. You, I'm guessing you're not at these stores because I know you're only reading your comics when your uncle and your mother leave them That's, at the cabin. I didn't. I would only buy stores at the grocery store in North Michigan. That was it. But what if? What when you're 16? I was definitely much younger than that. I was had to be 10 or 9, and then I bought until I was. Every time I went to the cabin, I would get a new comic until. They didn't sell them anymore in North Michigan, so I couldn't get my hands on any new ones. When you're when you're ten years old, what can you tell? What, what year is it? Nineteen nineteen ninety three. Oh, so your comics your comics sucked in the nineties. Yeah, there's a lot of garbage in there. Man, <laughs> I was like, the like, comics. If I could read Spider Man five, and then I would read a comic about Spider Man from nineteen ninety three, I'd be like, what happened? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that, those comics are terrible. <laughs> Of course, that's sort of like uh, the opposite of our podcast, right? Our podcasts are just getting better, aren't they? <laughs> better and better. A fine wine. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't make sense. A fine wine, that would make the older comics better. <laughs> oh, that's true. James that would make B. the older <laughs> podcast better. We're the opposite. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going the wrong direction there. <laughs> yeah. Give me an analogy of something. A that's... terrible analogy. <laughs> we need, like, like, we'll use hey, something we know very well iPhones, right? And cell phones. <laughs> That's how we should compare it. We're like a cell phone. The new model's always better, right? Well, some some could argue that the old models are still valid, right, JP? <laughs> I I know. I have one. I'm looking right at it here. It works mostly fine as long as I don't need to actually <laughs> do anything. I,